1 Corinthians 13. In this series on the nature of love, we're taking time to go through just this one chapter, particularly these few verses, uh, more thoroughly. When we were looking through the book of 1 Corinthians, I mentioned then that when we hit chapter 13 that we were going over it sort of in a plane at kind of that 5,000, 10,000 foot level. And here we're slowing down to more of a 500 foot ride in a hot air balloon. So be able to look more thoroughly at God's word regarding the nature of love. And as we look to the reading of God's word, if you'd please join me in prayer. Father of all mercies, let us stand in awe of you this day. Help us by your spirit to put your words into our heart, to write them upon our minds. And Lord, let your word come to us in the fullness of its power. Help us to receive it in love with attentive, reverent, and teachable minds, that through your word you would allow us to taste the flavor of eternal life which we have through your son Jesus, for his name that we now pray. Amen. Beginning in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The word of the Lord. You please be seated. What's love got to do with it? All you need is love. It's the power of love. You give love a bad name. I will always love you. I'll love you like a love song. Love me tender. Love is a battlefield. Tainted love, endless love, stupid love. Can't buy me love. Crazy little thing called love. We have lots of songs on love. And not only that, we like to talk about love a lot. Besides our songs, we write books about love. We make films about love. And if you ask people to define love, they will probably speak primarily of a feeling, a warm sentiment, a romantic passion, a deep affection. Now, love certainly includes our feelings. It's more than feelings. Love includes actions, what we do. And it's also a disposition, a quality of character, a way of life. When Scripture tells us that God is love, it speaks to us of the actions and the nature of God. And Paul gives us a picture of both of those here in 1 Corinthians 13. Last week, Pastor John uh, took us through how love is patient, long-suffering, Why? Because God is patient and long-suffering. And today we're looking at the kindness of love, which is indeed the kindness of God. Often we think of kindness as just being nice. He's a nice guy, she's a nice gal. It's not less than that, but it includes far more. We can also think of kindness as a personality trait, you know, someone who's easygoing, a laid-back temperament. We are all called to act kindly, regardless of our personalities or our temperaments. And as an aspect of love, this is an action that is never to be simply a response 
to someone else's goodness. Like, you did me a good one, I'll do you a good one. I'm, you're kind to me, I'm kind to you. It's not simply about reciprocating somebody else's behavior. We hear Jesus say in Matthew 5, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a difficult thing to do. That's an act of kindness. And I think one of the harder struggles that you and I face as believers is when we feel like God is not being kind to us. Well, because Jesus shows us the kindness of God, we are to find our solace in him and our source of strength in him, a strength that enables us to show kindness even to our enemies. The Corinthians have been all about exercising, experiencing spiritual gifts, but not about experiencing and exercising love without which these gifts are meaningless. Paul shows him a better way, the way of God's love in action. The kindness of God then is to be reflected in God's people as an act of love. And we see that love is patient and love is kind. So a little grammar lesson here because everybody likes grammar. Paul uses eight verbs here to speak about love. Without a doubt, the point is to show us the actions of love. Be loving and do loving acts, do loving things. In our English translation, we see that word kind as an adjective or a noun, but Paul actually uses it as a verb to show kindness. Not a major difference, to be sure. To say that love is kind, it focuses on the timeless quality of that kind love. And to make it a verb, it speaks of the actions of a kind love. To be kind is to do kind things. But Paul, he uses a very unique word here, one that some actually wondered if he actually made for the first time here. It's not found anywhere in regular secular Greek writings at all. Because like us, the Greeks didn't use the word kind as a verb. We would say, you know, she's a kind person, not, you know, she kinded him. No, she showed kindness to him. But Paul is wanting to emphasize for us that it's not simply static. You do something in love. You exercise an act, an act of patience, an act of kindness. And like many words, there's a lot of overlap. It can speak of someone being good or gentle, pleasant, friendly, Uh, And when it speaks about food, it usually means food of a high quality. Context tells us the meaning, not just the definition. Now, I mentioned before, we always got to be careful when we're doing word studies. I spoke about how the word agape is not a uniquely Christian word. We see that when Paul speaks about what love, what agape means, becomes a Christian word because of the content he puts into it, but not the word itself in Greek. That's the problem with looking up a definition of a word is that, you know, we kind of want to pick and choose what we think we like. Context tells you meaning. If I tell you he got hit by a bat, and you're like, oh, and you go look up bat, and a small, furry mammal with wings. That's weird. Why would anyone hit anyone with a bat like that? But if I add, while exploring a cave... He got hit by a bat. Makes perfect sense. Context tells us meaning, and we need to do that when we're using word studies in the Bible in the same way. It tells us more about what is going on. 
And of this particular word, one writer has said, this word suggests the warm, generous welcome that Christians always give his brothers. Does his utmost be thoughtful, helpful, kind, always in a pleasant way. That's a great definition of kindness that this word encapsulates. Just like in English, we use it in lots of different ways. And in the Old Testament, it speaks of God. In Psalm 52, God's name is good, translated into Greek, is kind. God's name is kind. And that wonderful Hebrew word we spoke of off and on is called hesed, which means loving kindness in some translations. It's a beautiful word, just has a full range of meaning. It's used of God a lot. In Psalm 136, it says, God's steadfast love, his loving kindness endures forever. That's the kind of God who he is. And that God remains faithful to his covenant promises even when his people don't. It's a demonstration of his mercy and kindness to those who don't deserve it. You heard reflections of that in Pastor John's prayer of praise from Hosea 11. God exercising his kindness to his people who have been faithless. And Paul captures the same idea in several places. In in Romans 2, he said, Do you presume on the riches of God's kindness, his forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful act of his kindness leads us to himself. And then Paul links God's kindness directly to Jesus. Ephesians 2. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. His grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. And Titus 3, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. God is kind to us who don't deserve it. He shows his faithfulness, his kindness to us most clearly in the person and work of Jesus Christ, his Son. And because of this, we who are united to Christ are then to reflect the kindness that he has to us towards others. We reflect this to God's people. Paul is speaking, of course, to a a whole church full of very gifted people. They have all these divisions around different personalities and how amazing they are and who has all these different gifts and everyone's trying to outdo each other and to show that they're more superior, that they're more spiritual than others. We pointed this out before, a D.A. Carson Testament scholar said, by themselves, your spiritual gifts attest nothing spiritual about you. They don't. They simply don't on their own. By themselves, spiritual gifts say nothing positive about your spiritual condition unless love is present in them. He said many times, giftedness is not the same as godliness. But bring those two things together and that's Amazing. And great, you can prophesy, you can speak in tongues, you can discern great mysteries. Wonderful. How well do you love others by showing kindness to them? That's the bigger question. Because then you can take these spiritual gifts and use them in how God wants us to use them. 
In the third century, one pastor, speaking of, of Paul's use of kindness here in this verse, he, he gives some counsel in this. He says, don't light up those who are inflamed by anger. Isn't that a great way to say that? Don't light up those who are angry. Deal more gently with them in order to appease and extinguish it. And not only by enduring nobly, but also by soothing and comforting so you can cure the sore, heal the wound of passion. Endure, yes, but more than that, soothe, comfort, heal this wound of passion. Don't light people up who are already angry. It's an act of kindness. It sounds very familiar to us. Sounds like Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A tender answer, a kind answer, turns away wrath. Being kind is not just about being nice. Again, it's not less than that. And it's not a personality or temperament thing. To show kindness is an action. It's something we're all to do. Paul tells us in Colossians 3, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts and kindness. Or Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. What's the motivation? As God in Christ forgave you. That's the foundation of how we're to treat those who we don't like. People can be jerks. Why do I have to be nice to them? Why do I have to be kind to them? Because sometimes you're a jerk too. And God showed you kindness in his son. How do I love my enemies? You look to Jesus who showed the action of love by dying for his enemies. That's the, the extent where we go with the love that we exercise. I have received this from God. And now I have been called upon to reflect this, to give this to others. And beyond that, it also means that you and I are to take a severe inventory of ourselves. A severe inventory of our hearts. And I mean severe because we have to be honest with ourselves. You may have a great gift of discerning truth. You can spot falseness a mile away. Fantastic. Do you have the corresponding quality of love to carry that gift forward? That's the issue. The gift is given. The quality, the character, the disposition of love has to commend it. And Can you honestly say, if you're that person, can I take this forward in love, in kindness? Because that expression we've all heard, to a hammer, every problem is a nail. Okay, the solution then is to hit it really hard. Well, you may not be the person to carry conflict forward then. Point out the problem. Show where you are discerning something and then back away from it. 
How often have you seen that happen? Not very often. How often have you seen someone make a bad problem worse by hitting it harder? Often. That's the issue. Do you have the character to go along with the gift? And if it's in development and you're still like, you know, I'm not there. Okay, how can I use this gift? And then maybe recognizing the weakness of my own character, the sinfulness of it, and, and to know how to step away and to include others to bring it forward. That, that's a real issue. It was with Corinth, these super gifted people running around doing amazing things, void of love. Paul said it's just an empty gong. It, it's empty chatter. Love must be combined to it. A patient love, a kind love. And a struggle we can have thinking about God's kindness, of course, is when we don't feel like God's being very kind to us. Sometimes the circumstances of our life that he gives to us feels like more than we can bear. Like, why would you do this to me, Lord? I wouldn't do this to somebody, but you're doing this to me. It doesn't feel very kind. And that's truly one of the hardest things that we can struggle with, living out a life of faith. And the Bible's response is to tell us, not in a flippant way, but in a very serious way, tells us to look to Jesus. He has borne our sorrows. He has carried our griefs. And in those great moments of struggle and doubt, we are to look to him, to see God's kindness towards us. Paul tells us that he himself was giving some kind of a thorn in the flesh. Likely it was a physical condition of some kind, but it was a great disturbance to him. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul was at the point where he said, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's not an easy place to get to overnight. That's someone who has struggled in his own afflictions. Who has asked God to remove this burden. And God's response to him was, My grace is sufficient, Paul. But what this does remind us of is that others carry burdens too. I put this in your bulletin. It's from New Testament scholar David Garland. Just a short sentence. Kindness recognizes that everyone carries a heavy load. Now that's one of those slow way down sentences. You read that. Kindness recognizes that everyone carries a heavy load. I think about that. What, what we are to do is to be kind to others because we know our own burdens and we know that we're not the only ones who have burdens. We have a lot of things on us. So does everybody. And so I extend kindness to them because they carry burdens too. Biblical love seeks to benefit others. Just like real biblical gifts, we use those gifts for the good of someone else. 
That's what makes it a biblical gift. Biblical love seeks the benefit, the gain of somebody else. If I'm all about looking for my own benefit, my own advantage, I'm not loving. That's not what it is. Think back to the beginning of all those love songs. Nearly all of those love songs sing about a love that seeks its own happiness, its own advantage in somebody else. Think about my love for you and how I feel about you because of what it does for me. So much of what we talk about in terms of love as a culture, as a people, really is about self-giving, I mean self-advantage, self-gaining. What can you do to make me feel good about me? And the better you do that, the more I love you. You're wonderful because of how you make me feel. That is not biblical love. And if we pause to think outside of ourselves, we can also say, I am not the only one who has a burden. I can be kind to others because this is how I can help ease their load. And it should remind us of where have I heard that before? The words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That word easy in the Greek is the word for kind. This is one of those context moments I was talking about. In this context, that word kind means easy, easy burden, easy yoke. It is a different nuance of meaning here, but I think it's very instructive for us to see that. Are you weighted down? Let Jesus be kind to you by lightening your load. Do you see someone else weighted down? Be kind to them by helping them to lighten their load. In Galatians 5, Paul, he lists kindness as part of the fruit of the Spirit. And we get that because that's a supernatural work of God's Spirit. Think about it, when something's simple, you have a stubbed toe. What's the first thing you think about with your stubbed toe? Your stubbed toe. It hurts. You might even limp. You do, might even protect it from getting hurt again. All of your life is focused on, my toe hurts. How in the world do you get the focus off of your own pain when you hurt? To look, to see someone else hurting, that's an amazing feat. Our yielding to the Holy Spirit, our keeping in step with Him, it puts us in a place where we seek the advantage, the gain of somebody else. And when you hurt to seek somebody else's advantage in their burdens and their load, that is a supernatural work of God that reflects Jesus. We seek to ease burdens, to be kind and gentle, to speak a soft word, to somebody else. Why? Because Jesus has eased our burdens. Jesus has been kind and gentle to us. We have heard a soft, 
tender word of kindness from Jesus to us. And that in is the foundation of the love actions that we give out to others. Because I have received from Christ his amazing, wonderful love, compassion, mercy, the list just keeps going, kindness, I then am now in a unique place being transformed by his spirit to do the same to others. And the minute we run into conflict between what God has called us to do in our own sinful, grubby hearts, the Christian response is repentance. When you don't want to be kind to someone because they're being a jerk, when you don't want to lift somebody's burden because, my goodness, do you know what I've been going through lately? My life has been miserable, and you want me to think about somebody else's misery? That takes us to repentance. Father, forgive me because I am choosing not to love in kindness to others the way that I have received from you. And Father, not only forgive me for this sin, but continue to transform me by the love and delight and joy I have in your Son so that these types of acts of love would just spontaneously flow because I love you and I worship you and I long to see you blossom and flourish the lives of other people. And thank you for letting me be a part of that. That's what we're called to. That's what we're not singing about in our love songs on the radio online. Because that requires something far greater than sinful people can muster on their own. It requires a heart transformation that only comes through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Who has given to us everything as he released the great things that he has. Taking on the form of a servant. Philippians 2. Coming and dying for our sins. That should really move us to be kind to people, to exercise patience, to exercise, even as we've come into our time of confession of sin week by week, oh yeah, I need to confess this. Because I don't want this to be in my life any longer. I I don't want to be sucked down by my own sinfulness, by burdens that keep me from seeing the wonder and the joy of people around me. Father, change my heart. Pray with me. Father, we do ask that you would change our hearts. Lord, we are grateful, but Father, sometimes we're just not, we just don't see it so clearly. Help us to see, open our eyes to see more of all that you have done for us in Jesus. Father, set us free from the tyranny of our own self-pettiness, our own introversion to ourselves our short-sightedness. Father, open our eyes to see the horizon of your grace and your mercy, of your love. Forgive us for our sins. And Lord, I pray that as you have relieved our burdens, Father, 
we pray for opportunities even today, this week, where we can enter into the lives of others to do just that in whatever way that you have given to us. Father, help us to see, help us to hear that we would love because you have first loved us. And we would ask this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Will you please stand together?